Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. All right, we have a great conversation for you guys today. With me, I have Michael Babcock back. Hello, it's been a little while, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe. Oh. Uh, Last, last show <laughs> yeah last show i guess yeah yeah it's hard to we got so many people that come on it's like oh so many yeah. moving parts yes yes and we have marty back with us marty will be joining us uh shortly and we also have um and, uh, i don't know if he's been on the show before but demasi no first time here and glad to be here thank you yes. for inviting me and you guys can hear Damasi on so many other podcasts, Unmute Presents and uh, Technically Working and so many other shows. And would you guys like to talk about, you know, Unmute and Technically Working and all of the other projects you guys are working on? So I'll give a quick recap of what we've been doing with Unmute real quick. And then uh, I'll hand it over to Damasi to explain what's going on with Technically Working. So as you hear this episode, you can get the latest Unmute Presents podcast live call in the podcast platform of choice. Demasi would have just published some content talking about security and why you should be aware of what you're putting in the holes of your iPhone. And then on Sunday, you would have heard probably either Mac Whisper or Mac GPT, which means Michael's going to record something for Sunday and I have no clue what's publishing. So go look at the podcast feed. Demasi, what are we doing with Technically Working? (laughs) So Technically Working is a show that we recently started. I think we're at six episodes and the basic premise behind the show as it stands today is really for us to share our experiences as we're working through real life issues, uh, mostly business related technology. Uh, there'll be some personal stuff that will crop up in there as well. Uh, so just a good conversational show discussion, discussing the, you know, actual things we go through day to day and keeping ourselves accountable. Because if we talk about it on the show, then that means we ultimately have to do it or you're going to have to show up on the show and be like, well, I totally did not do that thing. And nobody really wants to do that. So makes for a very boring show. All right. So uh, and, and they're all great shows. I mean, I listen to all of their shows. They're they're great. So if you guys are subscribed to the IACast, but not to unmute or technically working, you really should go and subscribe to these podcasts. They're fantastic. And and that is not my pick for the day. So uh, yeah. you have to stay tuned for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I believe last Sunday, Marty did a uh, uh, demo of the microphone that I'm on right now, the Sennheiser Profile. Yep. Um, so that was a fantastic demo. You should really go listen to that. I heard it and I went out and bought one. Probably that day. <laughs> that was the episode that was published on Unmute on April sixteenth, mm-hmm. and it is the it is the Unmute presents the profile, mm-hmm. and that is uh, Marty recorded that real quick, and and he likes that microphone. So do you, apparently. So oh, I love it. I love it, and it might be my pick. You'll never know. Well, you will if you listen to the end of yes, the episode. Until you it, you have to listen to the end to know what my pick is, because it could be a few things. So. Um, I guess let's go ahead and talk about the rapidly assembling news of <laughs> SpaceX. Well, I thought you were going to say the rapidly assembling news of disassembling spaceships. Well, that that too. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't get the the pun out that well, but you did. So congratulations. Um, so today, uh, this is April 20th. SpaceX launched its uh, super heavy rocket called Starship. And it was supposed to go up and do uh, a launch and then uh, be able to uh, fire, flip up, and then eject the solid booster. It flipped, but did not eject the booster. So it was, uh, according to them, rapidly disassembled. In other words, it exploded. (laughs) 
Man, you gotta love marketing people. It didn't yeah. explode. It was rapidly disassembled. And and exactly. and when you look at the history books, they'll say the SpaceX ship was rapidly disassembled while people enjoyed 420 relaxing. Mm-hmm. It was automated. <laughs> yep, it was automated. automated you know, I, and I wonder, I wonder if like there's a failsafe. Like if they know that it is not going according to plan, does the ship itself just say, "Oh, boom," or does somebody press the button to? rapidly disassemble the ship mm, mm. i don't know i am not that much in, i'm sure someone listening who is more into space would have an answer because i am not that into space and what's going on but yeah my assumption would be that you i mean i would build in a fail safe where i could push a button just in case things didn't go according to plan mm-hmm. uh, but that's me and i'm also paranoid but right. I would think you would build that in because you can't always count on automated systems to do what you have automated them to do at the time you automated them to do it. They they what? did say they did say that they <laughs> did not plan, you know, they planned for it to launch, get up in the air, and the hope was for it to do everything they wanted it to do, but um it did not. So it was very interesting. And didn't someone say something like our goal was to get it off the runway so it met that goal or something? I don't, off the I don't launch really, pad, yes. Yeah, off the launch pad. Like, you know, I mean, at least they know. And right. and this was delayed uh, by a couple of days. I think it was supposed to happen on Monday. So mm-hmm. we'll see where that happens in the near future. And uh, just for full transparency, because I wanted to verify, this was an unmanned uh, operation. Yes. So I don't believe there was any injuries or anything involved Correct. in that. Mm-hmm. So it it was you know it it comes back to technology. We always talk about technology. You know, space travel is a technology, so mm-hmm. it's very interesting that um, you know we're trying towards these advancements, and it's just very interesting. I know that we uh, there's not a lot of tech news this time. Um, there is some rumors about some new Apple. Uh, are about iOS and uh, all those things for iOS 17 and all of those platforms. It's interesting because it seems like the biggest focus is going to be on the watch Mm -hmm. and the control center. The control center really hasn't been updated that much since, you know, for a while, 2017, I believe. So what are y'all's thoughts on that? Do you think that uh, this is going to be a good thing or do you guys wish we were getting more or what are y'all's thoughts? So I haven't seen the rumors, but just a a rumor being out there that they're going to be working on control center. Like I would like more customization in control center. I like the ability to put, you know, maybe some different apps there to launch besides what they give you by default, uh, which I guess means they will have to introduce an API for developers to make their apps available there. But I would like to see more customization there for sure. And it's it's a little busy as well. So, you know, like first thing I yeah. do now, I think the last time I set up a device, I had to take out the home uh, integration in Control Center because it's like, it's just too much going on in here. So that is interesting to me that they're working on that. Hopefully because they're working on Control Center, some of those things will go across platforms to, you know, the Mac, iPad as well as the phone. And of course, the watch needs a lot of work, yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That has me excited. The watch, in any improvement to the watch, would have me excited. Uh, Mallory has the Ultra, and she really likes it. But I'm I'm perfectly happy with the six because of the interface with the six, and and I don't use it. I think because of I don't know, maybe because it's sluggish and not convenient to use. So I think Watch OS needs some love. Uh, and I saw that, and I'm like, huh, maybe that'll make me excited about Apple Watch again. Right. Yeah, I want to see some more dynamic faces. Like uh, mm. the Siri face was a really good idea when they introduced it, and it's like they just never followed through to complete, you know, building that out. Um, so I would like to see something more like that, or uh, the dynamic island style thing, where things surface as necessary. Like, give me a a complication or two that I can mm-hmm. put on a watch face that will change according to. You know what's going on. So Fantastic Hour will show up when I have an event coming up, for example. But if I don't have an event, you know, coming up, I don't see a Fantastic Hour thing that says, have a nice day or have a number <laughs> zero. Like, I don't, just, right. you know, give me something just, else then. Just like, don't show, show me, me the that. weather or right. something like that. So hopefully we'll get 
something along those lines this year. I am uh, at a at a point where I could and probably should update my watch when they release the newest watch. Mm-hmm. But I might not just because right now the primary use case for me is just this is a way for me to get those important notifications that uh, I don't have to pull out my phone for. So right, that's what I use mine for, too. I use it for health and fitness. I'm a huge like user of the watch for that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's great for swimming or walking. Um, I don't use it for a lot of things, but, you know. I think I aspire anything, to be like you, Michael, when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I really hope they fix is multiple sounds for notifications. I mm. love the sounds that we have, but I want more. And and that kind of gets onto my rant on the phone about people using silent notifications. I despise that. I do not like silent notifications. And they're like, uh, there's a bunch of apps that do that. So YouTube does it. So you'll be... Doing something on your phone, uh, you know, you're low vision, so you don't have to be looking up. You know something's up there. You tap, and all of a sudden, a video is playing because it was a silent <laughs> notification. Oh, uh, I, gotcha. I've never experienced that because it's nothing silent with voiceover. So you know right. what's going on. like Right. Well, so I, I kind of got caught like that. Funny enough, yesterday, I'm trying to remember what the app was, but I went to double. I touched the status bar. Uh, and I'm, I'm a voiceover user. I touched the status bar and I went to double tap the status bar to scroll back to the top of the window. And in between me touching it and actually performing the double tap, which obviously is not that long of a time, uh, a notification slipped in there that wasn't spoken. Uh, phone didn't vibrate or anything like that at all. So when I double tap, I'm now have launched this app and I forget what it was. Uh, and I was completely somewhere I was not expecting to be. And it took me a sec to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, how did I get here? So that that's kind of my biggest frustration with iOS is they let there be silent notifications and it just drives me crazy. So I I think we need to reach out to Apple and talk about this like hey, you know, this can be, you know, what if some app is looking for authentication, you tap that notification not knowing it's going to be there and boom, mm. they've got an authorization. Yeah, that that is a potential problem also. I, I guess I don't run into it as often uh, because I, I don't have a lot of notifications on. Like my default when I install a new app or open an app and it requests notifications is no. Like I need to figure out if I need your notifications. And And then I'm having issues where I just had to reset all the settings on my phone because of some issue. I don't remember what it was. But now apps are not showing up for notification permissions. So it's like, I want to get notifications for these apps, but it's not available to turn that back on. It's like, gotta wow. love the errors. Now, now, what I would like to see in 17, because we were talking about rumors mm-hmm. in 17, and all of this talk about GPT and, mm-hmm. and you know, chat AI and stuff like that, um, it's people are like, I want Apple to have a, a chat bot. And I'm like, no, I just want Apple to give me some reliable predictive text to actually use that makes sense. Um, and I think they could easily do that in 17. I probably won't see it, but that's what I want. You see, if they did that, then all of the crazy Facebook uh, double tap uh-huh. on your on your last on your next predictive word games will go away. Yep. Because <laughs> then they'll actually make sense. So yes. like, whatever. <laughs> but you know, I we don't always speculate here on this podcast, but I find it interesting to talk about. Um, Sometimes just, you know, we're WWDC is coming up. It's very exciting. So, um, you know, very interesting stuff. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're about at that point, too, where a lot of rumors that you may hear, not all of them, certainly, but from the sources that you're used to getting them from at this mm-hmm. point around this time of year is mostly what they say is kind of going to be true or, or has some truth to it or a bit more truth to it than normal. Uh, because we're at the time where, you know, Apple is finalizing the next phone for a release or finalizing what they want to be in the next OS or mm-hmm. at least what they're going to show off at WWDC. So it's an interesting time to speculate or pay attention if you, you know, are interested in what's coming up. The biggest thing for me this year around Apple at all is uh, the new phones, uh, mm-hmm. the new iPhone, because speculation is we're going to get USB-C. And it's like, okay. Rounded edges again. That. And 
Yeah, I'm stuff. just here for the USB-C. <laughs> I kind of want the rounded edges. I've never cared for the sharp edges. I love the flat edges myself. I, I like the current body of the phone. Like it, the way that I've heard about the rounded edges is they're kind of smoothed off those edges a little bit, but it'll mm-hmm. still kind of have that flat side. So that may be cool. Like I'm, I'm yeah. not totally objecting against that, but I'm really mostly looking at upgrading for USB-C. Like if they release a phone in September and there's no USB-C, like I probably, I'm pretty certain I won't upgrade this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just excited about the new phones. I, you know, and, Although and, I do want a pro because this would be my first pro phone because they're not going to make a mini again no. uh, anytime soon either. So I'm going to have to go up to a figure from going up to a phone size. I don't like I may as well get the pro, which, you know, brings along the dynamic island at mm-hmm. least. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how that works out. Now, do you guys think that we need a this is also in the rumors. Do you guys think we need a 15 inch MacBook Air? I personally I can... go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, I can see the place for it for someone who wants something lighter than maybe a MacBook Pro and just wants that larger screen. Um, I, because right now it's an 11 inch for the MacBook Air, correct? Or is it 13? 13. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I can definitely see that for that. If it was between the 11 going to a 15, that would be a bit more of a jump for me. But the 13 and a 15 inch to me makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, why not just dump the 13 inch pro and have a 13 inch and a 15 inch 13 inch air 15 inch pro i think we may get there with this um Mm -hmm. i think it makes sense to have that 15 inch in the lineup um if they're going to keep going down the path that they're going Mm -hmm. down with the air and the pro being where they are uh it gives them something in between Mm -hmm. i think starting price for the m2 air right now is what 12.99 something like that something like that so your next jump up it completely ignoring that touch bar macbook pro is still out there because you really shouldn't buy that uh right if your company buys it for you that's their money but don't spend your money on it is my suggestion and if you get one just go oh yeah (laughs) So completely ignoring that computer, uh, because I don't think is 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 here forever. I just think it's a stopgap. Mm-hmm. Uh between the thirteen inch M two air and the next laptop up that you can buy, that you should buy, would be the fourteen inch pro, right? So you're going from mm-hmm. twelve hundred, thirteen hundred bucks up to what is it, two thousand, twenty two hundred? Right. Uh, before you even start customizing anything. So getting something that fits into that slot for people that also comes with a bigger screen. Cause again, a lot of people buy the MacBook. Like I know people who buy the six or have bought the 16 inch mm-hmm. pro just because they wanted a bigger than 13 inch screen. Right. And you give them a 15 inch, 15.5, something like that. inch screen on an air like that. That's an, I mean, I'm using a MacBook air right now. I've been using mm-hmm. a MacBook air since last September. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a great computer. I think if I were going to buy another laptop, I would probably buy a Pro, but that's only because my workflows have changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's a great computer for anybody. So giving people a slightly bigger screen so they're not jumping up over that $2,000 mark just to get a lightweight laptop is an excellent move. And maybe that maybe that 15-inch uh, would have better speakers than the 13. So that's all good things. Yeah. Yep. More better speakers, probably. Uh, better battery life for sure. They mm-hmm. have a little bit more space to put battery in there. Although you got to right. be careful, I think they are not to over batterialize it because you know it still should be light uh, mm-hmm. and ideally lighter than the the fourteen inch Pro. Well, even if they put more battery, it would be a bigger enclosure, so the M two or M three would be more efficient and can use that really well at that screen size. So that would be a great thing. Yeah, they should also consider putting a uh, SD card slot on the side yes, of it. Not I because agree. I want it, but because I think, you know, that is, again, a use case mm-hmm. why a lot of people want a bigger screen mm-hmm. uh, is because they're editing a lot of photos or videos right. that they're pulling off of these cameras with uh, SD cards. And now, it's thin enough to fit in the body. Mm-hmm. Now, something else that I've just seen that I'm curious if you guys, if this is new or not, but... I just saw that the Audible app is showing up on Mac. That is new as of yesterday, I believe. And that's pretty exciting. You know, us having a native, well, it's the iPhone app, but it is a, or iPad app, but it is uh, a native app for M1 Macs to listen to Audible. Now, it is my understanding, however, that as of the time of recording, again, 420, that the 
Audible app, if you command tab out of it, uh, does not do background playback. So you have to have the Audible app in focus to listen to it. I don't know if you've played with that or not, but someone told me that. I don't know about command tab, but you cannot command Q. Right, because that would quit the app. But mm-hmm. it was my it was my understanding. Maybe I misinterpreted or someone didn't understand. Because to me, if you command Q out of an app, it's going to quit the app so you can't listen to it. But it was my understanding that if you moved focus out of the app, so if you're in Safari, you can't have an audio book playing in the background. Or command W. You can't close the window either. Yep. So, but uh, I can, it, it, I can test I'm excited. Quick. You should, because I'm interested to see if that is true. And then you can edit mm-hmm. me out. But I am excited for this. Or you can leave me in there and be like, Michael doesn't know what he's talking about since it's on YouTube. So you might as well just leave it there. Yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just leave I'm it in. Not excited at all. I don't care. Really? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm actually using Audible. I'm pretty much done with Audible at this point. So I still have an Audible account because I, I still buy books out of Audible. Uh, but I download my books and bring them into. Excuse me. I download my books and bring them into. Uh, into uh into Plex and using an app on iOS called Prolog. Uh, that is how I've been listening to audiobooks. Um, and for me, kind of the reason behind that is not just to be you know obstinate, but I have small children who like mm-hmm. audiobooks, and I can't just give them the Audible app on their iPad because Audible does not give you any sort of way to filter what little children are going to see. Uh, ah. So that's what started me down the path of using Plex and uh, mm-hmm. Prolog, which just gives you a nice front end, gives you kind of an audible feel uh, to the app. Uh, the old Audible app, actually, like when Audible, before they start messing around with stuff with the home and all all, all the things they're doing now, uh, Prolog is a very good app for listening to audiobooks uh, sp- uh, connected through Plex. So that's how I got there. And just for me, is like everything is in there. So even if I buy books from, because I, I also buy audiobooks from other places at times, like they're all in one place versus me jumping through app so audible being on the mac is cool like it is it's good to see that they finally have made that move but for me it is just complete lack of interest of anything audible is doing unless they're talking about taking away my credits <laughs> and and michael it does play in the background okay so i was wrong about that then what people are probably doing is hitting command w mm-hmm. and command play, which to me instead of hitting tab which to me, either Command W or Command Q is going to stop the playback anyways. But Well, there's like native Mac apps will run in the background, but, uh, you know, they can play, you know, like, uh, and I wonder if the iAccessibility app will work if you close the window. I hope I programmed it that way. Now you're going to have not, to go test it. <laughs> we'll have to test that. But basically, uh, Twitter does the same thing. If you do Command W, it just closes the app. It does not yeah. keep it open for multiple um windows and i wonder if that's the case it's for apps that don't use like the the scene delegate the the multi-window support and all that kind of stuff yeah that that would be because i've seen a couple of apps like that too i can't recall Mm -hmm. which ones they are at the moment but yeah you hit command w just think like okay let me close this window a minute it's Mm -hmm. like the whole app is gone bye-bye i mean that works more like windows on windows Right. <laughs> Our favorite Reddit app that never comes out of beta is that way. <laughs> yes. At this point, I'm starting to think that that guy's just trolling Apple. Like, yeah, you know, you can't kick me out of the store or prevent me from being in the store if I never submit to the store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they keep reviewing and accepting his stuff. So, you know. Now. Yeah, but test flights are easier lift, right? Like to get into test flights, you don't have to pass the same app review you would to get in the store, or has that changed? If you go for external testers, anytime you put out a new major version, uh, you do have to go through a form of app review. So what's oh, a so major he's, version? Because he, he's, he's never gone to one. Point. Yeah, he's still on oh, he hasn't? point something. Yeah, so yeah. He's, he's never moved past that <laughs> That's initial. That's how he's doing it. No, yeah. never went past that one. So it's like zero point four or something like that. I think he actually matches the version numbers up with the month that the test flight expires or something. That's awesome. And, and, you know, for a while, ISH and some of those apps were only in test flight because of that reason. So, yeah, I I was thinking ISH wasn't going to even get out of test flight at one point. Mm -hmm. But it's in the store. A shell is in the store. Both of those are great uh, apps for using a, 
uh, Linux shell on your phone or iPad. So check those out. That is not his pick. Nope. That's still not my pick. <laughs> Stay tuned. That'll, that'll be the theme of the show is what's Michael's pick? <laughs> Has he um, mentioned it already or not? Uh, the name I, of the I, episode. I, that is not his pick. Right. <laughs> that might be a good name for the episode. We usually have a spot where we talk about a specific thing, but we're just going to go right into our conversation today. And that, I think, is kind of a big topic because it's been in the news, it's been everywhere, and that's people using uh, or finding ways around passcode locks to get into people's phones. And, you know, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I think what's happening is uh, people are looking over your shoulder and they're typing in your code or they're seeing you type in your code with uh, to unlock your phone if you don't use bio- biometrics. Then when you go to put your phone down, they take your phone and then they can unlock your phone. They could go in and they can change your iCloud password with a setting in the settings app. I don't remember where that setting is, but... Uh, yeah, it's just a, if you tap on your account name and change mm-hmm. password. So I didn't realize this until I helped somebody change their password uh, a while back. And you just go to settings, tap on your name, tap on mm-hmm. uh, security, change password. And it will only ask you for the passcode to the device that you're mm-hmm. on. And then that lets you change your password. And I was like, okay, that's, I see how that is handy for somebody who, you know, like this person was where they don't go into app store all that often. So they're not always entering their password very mm-hmm. easily forgot it not using a password manager etc cetera, etc cetera. but it was easy for them to change their password because they know their pin code because that is something they're constantly you know putting right. in their phone interacting with their phone what is happening but you're right uh what is happening is people are and the way i've heard it is that a lot of people are working kind of in groups so you have one person that's kind of you know playing the distraction or or, or whatever mm-hmm. you got another person that's that's the watcher to see you type in your code and one of the ways that they're accomplishing this is you know one just you know watching over your shoulder uh to to see you type in your code if that's something that you're doing or uh, engineering it so that you have to type in your pin code so somebody can try to see it. So one way that that's been done is somebody taking a picture for you, right? You're, you know, you're hanging out in front right. of this cool statue or something like that. You're like, hey, could you please take this picture? And I'm like, sure. So they'll take your picture, but they're also do the little trick on the side where you hold down the side button and the volume button and it locks your phone and forces you to enter your pin. So at that point, you have to enter your pin. And I see how that could work to social engineer someone simply because how many times have you either held your phone at, a, especially with Face ID, or you've held your phone at a weird angle, or mm-hmm. somebody else has been holding your phone for some reason, and the phone's just constantly like, "Oh, is that you? No, I don't know you. Is that you? No, I don't know you. Is that you? No, I don't know you." And now it's locked out, so you have to type in your password. Right. You would assume that's what happened when they were taking the picture, um, and somebody gets your password, and then they take your phone, and you know, once they've been able to change your iCloud password, they now have the one, you can't get into to to uh, you know mark that device as stolen through Find My because they've changed your password. So now you can't get into your account, but they can de you know uh, deactivate all of your other devices, mm-hmm. thereby preventing you from being able to easily reset that password. Also, and now they have access to a lot of data uh, because they're in your phone, right? And for a lot of people, they, they use the same email address that is tied to their Apple ID, iCloud account uh, as their main email address. Like for a lot of people, that is the, they are the same. So, you know, you, you're in the phone, you can access the email, you can do all sorts of password resets, et cetera. So it's a bad situation. My advice is, uh, one, always be mindful of where you are when you're entering your password. Uh, if you feel any way vaguely uncomfortable, like just don't don't type it in. Just just wait until you're right. somewhere where you know you're safe, uh, and be aware of people. You know, just be cognizant the same way you would if you were carrying a bag or wearing an expensive watch. Like, just be mindful that your phone, your phone, or the information on your phone does have value to someone besides you. And but you know, one of the things that I feel like is very important is we need to have discussions about this online because I think through discussions we can get we need to get these tech companies to really make these changes because that is a big security 
vulnerability. And people are not going to be always listening to this podcast or others that you guys are on or, you know, the news or, or ways that you can do this. And they're just going to be, be vulnerable. And I think technology companies need to own up to this. And I've, I've always had a real problem with forced entry of a passcode because we have these biometrics to make things easier. But if you get a notification and your phone's on a desk and it thinks it sees a face and then not, and all of a sudden you're locked out of your phone, it's not only just an inconvenience, it could be a security vulnerability that they haven't even thought of. So Marty's back with us. So hi, Marty. Hey, all. How's it going? Great. We're glad to have you here. So we we're Thank just talking. We we're just talking about security, and you know that you know people need to be cognizant of where they are with their phones and and using. You know, if you do have to enter your passcode, don't let people see you do it. But also, we need to stress this to Apple and Google and others that you know these biometrics need to be more available so that uh, we don't have these security problems. And, and one of the issues that I have is when you're, you know, just using your phone and, you know, say you're a little too close when you go to authorize that purchase and you do that one one or two times, it's going to ask you for your passcode there anyway. Yep. Right. And, you know, that's another point of vulnerability right there because you're obviously going to have to enter it to make that purchase. And if people are watching over your shoulder, that's, you know, not even just unlocking your phone, you're making a purchase and people can see that. Yep. There there are a lot of instances where people being able to watch over your shoulder. And I I find this particularly difficult to manage sometimes as a, as a person that's completely blind because I've never had like 2020 vision mm-hmm. and the usable vision I did have when I was younger growing up still wasn't great. So I have no real concept of how far people can see, right? Mm-hmm. Like people literally will stand on the other side of like, you're, you're, you can't hear them because they're not making enough noise, but they are, you know, a good distance away from you, but they're able to see what you're doing on your phone, uh, because of the angles and the fact that they can, you know, they have a line of sight to it. And that's the thing that I think is hard for a lot of people to conceptualize along with the fact that somebody's actually looking at you. Right. Cause I think we all kind of at, at different times in life have that point of where you don't think anybody's paying attention to what you're doing because like you're not doing anything interesting. And so why would anybody be paying attention? I don't mm-hmm. see them. They don't see me. Well, if you are someone, now this is not going to work for everyone. This is why I say if you're someone who is visually impaired or blind, one thing you can do to keep yourself safe is wear an earbud. That way nobody can hear your voiceover and turn on screen curtain. And that way nobody can see your screen and you're pretty much protected there because they won't be able to hear your audio and they won't be able to see your screen. So if you can handle both of those things, it's a a good safety tip for anyone who's able to do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But again, it, it doesn't work for everybody. I know some people like just earbuds bother their ears and you know, they, they utilize the brightness on their screens but I think we, we just need to have that conversation with Apple and Google and say, you know, maybe an in-screen, a good in-screen fingerprint would be a good idea. Maybe these three tries you're out strategies are not working because they're making it less secure. I, 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 honestly, hmm? I was going to say, I will say that currently, I would say over the past few weeks to a month or so, I've had a major problem with Face ID you know, where it won't unlock my phone all the time. And I even have it with my watch is that if the face uh, detection fails, then the watch would be the next thing to jump in and authenticate for my phone. And then if that doesn't work, then you punch the code in. But the face ID and the watch authentication has been kind of janky over the past month or so. They did do an update to try and resolve that issue and it did make it a little bit better for me, but it's still not working perfectly. So in this kind of situation, I would say to Apple, you know, this kind of thing should be a priority and and please get this fixed ASAP because what a pain, you know? Right. And I think that's the kind of the big thing is um, Apple thought, okay, entering your pin would be a inconvenience well it's becoming more of an of a security vulnerability than an inconvenience and on other devices for example you have the 
let's see, it's going to be the iPhone SE and the iPad mini and the iPad Air, the newer model. So I think that'd be the four, maybe the five. I don't remember the ending numbers, but it's the iPad Airs, the iPad minis Mm -hmm. with the new design, you know, the all glass design, as well as the iPhone SE. They all have a fingerprint sensor still. And in the iPad and the iPad mini, they have the fingerprint uh, sensor in the power button. So I don't see why they couldn't put a fingerprint sensor in all of them because that would just be another way to be able to access if Face ID doesn't work, if your watch doesn't work, you know, hey, use your fingerprint. Um, it would seem like it wouldn't be such a big deal for them to add that right into the power button on all the models. And so. I found that the power button touch ID works a bit better than it does in the home button. Have you guys seen that? Oh, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. I, I think that the, the finger ID works ultimately the best out of all of the, you know, what what would you call it? The biometric. Biometric. Thank you, Demasi. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't used Touch ID on a button, like the home button in a while, but I, I do like the Touch ID and the power button. I have an iPad with that. And personally, I would like to see just different authentication options anyway like face id Mm -hmm. is great but i would also like to have touch id because i would like there to be some scenarios where you need both of those in order to complete this action or do this thing on my phone right without it being you know just face id and you're done or touch id and you're done and And having extra biometrics available also gives you more more data points for the system to learn your behavior like that that is right. one of the problems i think we're facing too is it like the the learned behavior of a device user is not as high as i would like to see it with apple you know it sometimes mm-hmm. figures out like oh whenever i have a meeting on this calendar i'm going to automatically put you in work focus all right that's great can you also figure out that if for some reason my phone is um you know, here, but my watch is there that I'm probably not close to those things. So maybe not let, uh, you know, lock down everything on the phone a little bit more. I personally turned off the watch unlock for my phone just because like, I mean, scenarios are possible. You close enough where you picked up my phone, you're looking at it, it doesn't unlock. And then I get a tap on the wrist and it's like, by the time, I mean, I may or may not even notice it because that, that is an issue for me with the watch is like, I don't oftentimes get, I don't feel those little taps all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, and I agree. I, I think oh. I think that with and if we have those multiple data points on the phone, Touch ID, Face ID at the same time, then we could probably forego a passcode lock, or at least encourage people to start using. Because one thing I do is like I have a I have a really long pin code mm-hmm. uh, on my device, so it's not six digits; it's more like eleven or something. Uh, and I really have to type it in. It does make it easier because you get just get a keypad if you do a long numeric mm-hmm. code. But I think with multiple biometrics, too, we could fall back to either enforcing stronger passcodes because they would be less likely to be needed as much uh, or uh, even encouraging people to use like an actual password. Like I could see a, a, a world where, you know, if you have to fall back to logging in with a password and to unlock your phone or your or your iPad or something, you're actually using your Apple ID password, right, instead of you know, some random pin code that you're right. going to remember that people are going to shorten or, or, or make too simple. Exactly. Yeah. I don't really know the cost of parts, you know, and putting things together, you know, when it comes to uh, all of that, but could it really be that much more money to put something like a fingerprint sensor in the power button of all the devices? I mean, is it really that more much? Is it that costly to add i don't know i mean maybe it it is maybe that's why they don't do it i think it comes down to the design for example apple usually does a three-year design process for their phones so what we've had for the last three years has been the same design on the 12 13 and 14 and i think the 15 is getting a, a different design but they use a lot of the same metal cutouts and the metal pieces to make each year's phone and so I think when, uh, you know, they do the redesign, they can look at those kind of things. But I think as far as economics and, and producing all these things, they try to keep them the same for the three-year cycle. 
I would agree with you on that. The only thing that uh, I kind of add a question mark to is the iPad Air and the iPad Pro 11-inch. They're almost the same. I mean, it couldn't be that different. So I think it's a combination of a couple of things, though. Uh, one, I would say, especially with the phones, like the you know the phone is the, the primary device. You really don't want to do anything to mess with the phone uh, until you're sure about it. So I think partially the reason we got this in the iPad Air and the new iPad Mini is it's a testing ground, right? Like how problematic is this? Is this? touch ID in the power button, right? Like, you know, some real world testing from Apple, but you know, on a device is not nearly as popular as a phone. Like if you make a mistake with the touch ID sensor in the lock in the power button on a phone, that's literally millions, tens of millions of phones out there that have a problem. Whereas if you run into the same issue with the iPad Air, it's like we probably sold maybe 10 million of those over the course of a year, not over the first weekend that it was available. So I think that's a little bit of it. Uh, I think also that it may be, they don't have a compelling reason. And and when I say compelling, they don't have a reason that they can explain to people like, here's how you're going to use this. So I think it's one of those cases of like software not being where it needs to be in order for them to tell that story. Because I do think one of the, one of the stories behind having multiple biometrics, yes, you can now make a choice, but for your more riskier, more high you know highly sensitive transactions use too so instead of just having somebody having your kid be able to hold the phone up to your face uh to complete the purchase of an app or complete an in-app purchase you know you can have it so that you have to you know show your face and do your fingerprint in order to make an app store purchase or just switch between them based off what you're doing you know you can unlock your phone with your face, but you can't unlock your bank app without your fingerprint, right? I don't right. think they have the, the software there necessarily either to kind of make that compelling story mm-hmm. where, because we, we all know like Apple will have a feature and we oftentimes hear, as we were talking about earlier in the show, like rumors start to come out and there have been years, I mean, past couple of years really, where we get to the iPhone event and there's nothing new really announced at the event. But Apple tells the story in such a way that it's like, oh, you know, I heard about that feature, you know, three months ago was coming to the new phone. But now I kind of want the phone for this reason, because Apple mm-hmm. has given has, has woven this story behind it that makes it more compelling than just, yeah, the narrative behind it. Well, an interesting thing to think about is how many people have you heard that have had issues or problems with Face ID opposed to people who have had issues mm-hmm. with a fingerprint sensor? I hear right. a ton of people having issues with the Face ID all the time. I don't ever hear anyone. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't mean there isn't anyone that has problems with the finger, but mm-hmm. uh, I hear way less issues with people using the fingerprint sensor than Face ID. I hear people have issues with Face ID constantly, whether there's actually an issue with it or they just have trouble with it in general. Well, you know, for me being low vision, it's always a, do I have it far enough away with from my face when I go to activate <laughs> and unlock? Yep. That is um, one thing. Another tip I'll give people too, if you are having, you know, sporadic issues, not consistent, just kind of sporadically having issues with face ID not working, wipe off your lens at the top of your phone. Good idea. Yep. And I only say that because like, my, so face ID is, is, is amazing, right? I, I can unlock my phone in the dark in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden I was running into a situation where that wasn't working, like just consistently was not unlocking for me in certain situations. And, you know, finally at one point, I think I just wiped off the top of my screen because I was like, well, maybe something's covering up the camera. Who knows? I'm always eating and grabbing the phone and doing stuff. And it went back to working. So that's where that tip comes from for me is just experience of, you know, sometimes wiping the lens off at the top, especially if you're like me and you don't do selfies and things like that. You don't probably don't really think about that camera up there. Yeah, that's right. true. The, I think it's probably a little bit more sensitive in a 14 model because I believe in anything previous to a 14, 13 and back, I believe it's in the camera bump up there. So it's a little bit more protected where on the 14s, I think it's really kind of somewhere around that dynamic island area, which is really right in the glass. There's no major bump in it, the 14 models. There was no Or at least in the 14 Pro models. Let me rephrase that. There was no bump in the others. Um, it was just the notch, which was all part of the glass as well. So it's, it's really about the same. Okay. It's just in the 14 models, it's lower down. 
Yeah. Gotcha. Because yeah, they, they took the, the notch out. So it's kind of, you know, you mm-hmm. see where where you can eat more easily see where it is, but it's still the same kind right. of setup at this point. They have not put the camera under the glass, which is still a rumor that's been going on for like three years. Mm-hmm. That they're going to put a camera under the glass and then it'll just be all glass on the front. No cameras showing. But if my experience with in-screen fingerprint readers is any indication, like, please wait on that. Take your time on that one, Apple. You know what? I've had very good luck with Samsung's. I haven't tried theirs. I've tried two Pixel phones with it, and uh, the experience was not the mm-hmm. best for me. I did try early Samsung, I think, when they first did it, but that was also at a time when their in-screen fingerprint reader was very new and also not super secure either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty happy with recently. the one on the S21, so I will say that. The last thing I want to talk about, and I think you guys have talked about this on Unmute as well, is your when you go to charge your phone, if you're out, do not plug your phone into an unknown charger. Bring your own adapters because you don't know what kind of plugs or if they are able to pull data off your phone or jailbreak your phone or do anything nefarious to your device. So here is a question, and maybe Demasi can uh, answer this question. I'm not sure, but... If you plug your cable straight into one of those charging stations in an airport, for example, which is, you know, a coffee shop or an airport are going to be the places you're the most vulnerable. Is it only the cable or the port that is going to have a way to uh, have a way to, you know, cause issues with your device? Or, for example, let's say you have like a charging brick or, you know, one of those, you know, power adapters that has four ports on the front, like two or three USB-Cs and a USB-A, and then you plug that in, then you plug your uh, cable into that, is it still going to get infected or is it only a cable directly into the port or even a plug or or whatever? So it's going to be a cable going into it. So in a lot of public spaces, there are USB ports just sitting there that you plug your cable into, right? Mm-hmm. At that point, that USB port is the problem. And it's always going to be the problem with the port. Like whatever is on the back end of that port has been mm-hmm. embedded into the device that has that USB port. Um, hmm. So if you're using a charger brick, yeah, so, that's yeah, still so going to be the same thing. You're still going to get it. No, no, that's oh. not. Because if yeah. you bring your own charging brick and plug it into a standard outlet, well, that's your power brick, right? So if you're carrying around a malicious power brick, that's that's right. something you have done to yourself. They can't the problem. Really... Oh, go ahead, Demasi. I was going to say the problem is like, so plugging into an outlet, you're fine. If you have your own power brick, you're plugging into an outlet, you're perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. That, that still works. It's the problem. Like, And I, I see this like I was you know, in a hotel, right? They got a usb ports on the lamp to plug in the charger device because everybody has usb devices to plug in and charge right don't plug into something like that because you have no idea what else is in that lamp right use a standard outlet with your normal charging brick or or a travel charging brick that you bring with you uh you don't want to be plugging into anybody's random usb ports that are just hanging out there uh regardless of how they have managed to provide that usb port it's, it's unknown. It's an unknown port to you. It's, it's sort of the same thing of 20-ish years ago, you go around with your little flash drive that's got your documents on it that you mm-hmm. keep, and you just plug it into a random unknown computer port. Like, you have no idea what you're taking home with you. Um, and the problem is that oftentimes we're not aware of when there are vulnerabilities in, in software until someone discloses the vulnerability. So it's not that Apple's not on their job because the phone does attempt that all of the devices attempt to protect you when you plug into a new unknown thing that wants to try to suck data off your phone. You know, you'll get a pop up that says, do you want to trust this device? Where if there happens to be a vulnerability that we're not aware of and Apple at the time is not aware of that allows people to circumvent that some sort of way, you're now putting yourself at risk of having your data scraped off your phone because nobody's encryption helps you when they're looking at the device that has decrypted the information. Right. And you so know, if you want to really stay safe, bring your own charging brick oh, and yes. find a plug. They don't have data over power outlets yet. I mean, there are such a thing, but it's like, yeah, yeah that, that is less likely. And plus mm-hmm. your, your power brick nine times out of 10 is not right. going to support that anyway. Like you have right. to have a very specialized thing. So yeah, bring your own power brick or bring your own portable battery charger. Um, mm-hmm. 
for yourself. And personally, like this has not ever been a concern of mine because if I'm traveling, I'm always going to bring it a, a portable battery anyway because you're in an airport everybody's trying to charge the device so you, you, your chances of getting to a outlet are uh very low in my opinion in most cases anyway and, i mean think about the germs and the cleanliness of those areas that that there's that too yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't want to touch that area i mean just think about this if you have a mac laptop okay you've got a giant power battery pack <laughs> because you it's can plug you say in- that you can plug in your phone to your Mac with the lid shut, and it will charge your phone. It will absolutely do that, and I am living proof because I did it on a Greyhound <laughs> on the way back to Alabama uh, about three months ago. Uh, I had a, a power brick to plug into the outlet on the Greyhound bus because they had an actual outlet, but none of their outlets worked. And I was like, man, like I'm still a long way from getting home, and I got to call her, you know, get a lift when I get here mm-hmm. and all of that. And I was like, oh, wait. Oh, laptop in my backpack. I'll just plug it into the laptop. All right, boom. There we go. Charge the whole thing up just fine. And you laptop could even do that. didn't even notice it. You could even do that with a MacBook Air. And it will. That, that's what I was using. Was yeah. MacBook Air. Yeah. The M2 MacBook Air. As I say, like the battery life didn't even notice it. Mm-hmm. So. That's, that's a pretty cool tip. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know about Windows laptops. I think those are like the, the, the hibernate states are a little more aggressive than the Mac. But. For sure. If you have Apple devices, you have a Mac, easy way to get a charge. Yep. That that works. Uh, there's been some advice out there, and I'll, I'll kind of address it a little bit. So there are such a thing when you're buying a cable for, for any device. Uh, and just on a, on a side note, like even if you're an Android user, like don't plug into random mm-hmm. public USB ports. Either. Like, this applies to everybody, not just people with iPhones. Like don't do it. Take your own power source. I think Androids are even more susceptible. That's just my thought. Uh, And think about it from the perspective of when someone has physical access to a device, there's a lot more things they can attempt than remotely trying Mm -hmm. to access your device. So be aware of that. There are such a thing uh, in both the USB-C and the Lightning world of cables that only do charging and don't sync data, which means it doesn't matter what you plugged it into. It can't Mm -hmm. sync data because it doesn't support that. However, I would not depend on that to be my mm-hmm. protection simply because I have bought cables that weren't supposed to do things and they did them. And I bought cables that were supposed to do things and they didn't. You never know when you're buying a cable if they gave you the correct specifications, especially right. when you're shopping on Amazon. And most of us do. So just buy a portable uh, charging bank. brick. Yeah, and carry that with you or, or, or bring mm-hmm. a power brick. I mean, for me, I have both. Like, I have a portable battery that, that is just a battery pack, and I can plug, you know, anything USB into it to charge. And when I get where I'm going, I have a, a multi-port wall plug that I can plug into the wall and, you know, plug my things into. Mm-hmm. So either one of those, I would say if you're if you're picking it for travel in the midst of travel, like you want to make sure you don't lose your battery during, you know, your, your layovers and all of that on planes or buses, uh, get a portable uh, battery pack because that means you can charge anywhere you're sitting. You don't have to be fortunate enough to be next to an outlet to plug up. Mm-hmm. And they're currently on sale at AT Dies if you're looking for an accessible one. There you go. So, um, this has been a great discussion, but unfortunately, we're running low on time. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap up today? Stay aware so you stay secure. Yeah, keep yourself safe and the small things like carrying a power adapter with you, having cables that you know are safe with you is going to keep you safe and give you way less of a headache in the long run. So, you know, take an extra few minutes and make sure that you're, you know, keeping out what you need and keeping yourself safe from problems going forward. All right. So... We are down to the end of this show, and as always, we do our picks for this episode and uh, contact information. So, Marty, since you came in last, let's have you go first. What's your pick, and uh, where can people find you online? So, 
my pick is going to be, and it's ironic we're talking about chargers. My pick is going to be, and this is made by a company called Anchor, which you can find on Amazon. And what it is, is it's a wall charger. It's got four ports. It's called a GAN wall charger. It's got one USB-A, three USB-Cs. They all automatically switch to whatever power is needed, whether it's the laptop, a phone, a tablet, whatever it is. But the cool thing about it is it also has a 10,000 mAh battery in it. So when you plug it into the wall and you charge up all your devices, it's also charging up the battery in there and you have a full battery on the go and you don't need to get another thing. So definitely cool. It's one of my, I would say, new favorite you know, go devices for my go bag. So yeah. And if anyone wants to get a hold of me, you can find me at feedback at unmute.show. And uh, there you go. Excellent. Uh, Damasi, what about you? What's your pick and your contact info? So has anybody picked Mac Whisper before? Not yet. Nope. All right. So my pick is going to be Mac Whisper and Mac Whisper is an application just to back up a little bit and give you some context. Whisper is a protocol uh, is, is uh, a set of tools put together by the people over at OpenAI, which are the folks behind chat GPT and uh, Dolly 2 as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But uh, Mac, what Whisper does is allow you to send an audio file, push an audio file into it and it will. Uh, transcribe that audio to text and it handles several different languages and has sev- several different models that can be mm-hmm. used for transcribing that audio. Mac Whisper is just a desktop application for the Mac that allows you to, you know, drag and drop or open up a file there and have it transcribed with timestamps. And at least to my uh, knowledge right now, it can identify two different speakers so you can go in and label which speaker is which, but it can tell the difference at least between two different people. I've not been on a call where I've had more than just me and someone else there that I've recorded and a new feature that they've just added, which allows you to record the audio from any application on the Mac as well. So I have used that to grab audio out of zoom from the person that's in zoom and then also grab my microphone audio. So I have a full transcript of the zoom call which I'm more likely to skim and reread than actually listening to the Zoom recording. So before you give your contact info, I just want to say that, you know, I built a Python script that can do the, the use Whisper. It's interesting because I, I do not know how to get to do timestamps, but it's very interesting that it's able to do all that. Um, I'm guessing it's using Whisper on the Mac unless it's going out and using the cloud. Nope, it is doing everything. That is the other thing about Whisper. Is Whisper is done, in most cases, there are people hosting it in the cloud, but typically you can install it mm-hmm. and it's run specifically from your device. And like you, Michael, like I hadn't made a Python script yet because I hadn't gotten around to trying to mark, write a script, but I was using the command line tools for uh, mm-hmm. Whisper for a while. And Mac Whisper just made it so much easier mm-hmm. uh, I built to a- deal with. I built a WX Python script, like a GUI for it and everything. And it's really neat, but it seems like this one has a lot more features than what I was able to get out of just Python. So, Two things I would say about Demasi's pick. I believe there's a paid and a free version. Is that right, Demasi? There's a free version and there's a paid version. Hmm. And I believe if you have 8 gigs of RAM, it will work. It just might not be quite as peppy. So it'll still work. But just be cognizant of if you only have eight gigs of RAM. Yeah, it, it'll it'll work fine on on this, and that's why the different models are, are there as well. So there's a mm-hmm. very small model that is pretty fast uh, on any kind of hardware, uh, but the accuracy. So you change models with with Whisper in general, and Mac Whisper is the same. It's mm-hmm. using those same models to basically turn up how accurate you want the transcription to be. The more accurate accuracy you want, the longer it is going to take. Uh, but for me, like a lot of times I'm running on that, that smaller lightweight mm-hmm. model because I just need the basic information out of a zone meeting. Like I don't, I don't need all of the medium stuff. Medium or large takes quite a while, even on my yeah. beefy M1 Max with 32 gigs of RAM. 
Yeah, and it takes a while on my on my air. Like I'm on an M2 air mm-hmm. with uh, you know 24 <clears throat> gigs of RAM. So even, but it is going to be slower because it's doing more more mm-hmm. analysis. One nice thing about Mac Whisper for anybody that has used the command line tools before, it's very easy to tell it. Even though you're using a large language model that has support for all these different languages to say, nope, just run this as English. So you don't waste that time mm-hmm. at least trying to analyze each word to figure out, is it English? Is it German? Is it Spanish? No, it's all English. Just just get to it. Fantastic. Oh, contact details. So you can get to me by emailing uh, hello at bedrockinnovations.com. And I'm also on... That social network that I can't remember the name of, Mastodon. Uh, if you go to Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E dot your own pay dot com, that will get you to me on Mastodon, wherever I happen to be this month. <laughs> All right. And Michael, what about your pick and your contact info? Yeah, so my pick is going to be one that I may have picked in the past, but it's Reaper. More specifically, Reaper and Macros. So I've been using Reaper for years now, and Reaper is an audio editor, and I was editing on audio with someone and coaching them through the process of how I was was putting their audio together so they could launch their podcast next week. And, you know, I was sharing audio through Loopback, and I'm glad I'm bringing this up because I need to go fix that and, you know, all that fun stuff. And uh, I realized that some of the macros that I've put together, though they seem very basic and they're only three steps, have saved me a lot of time. For example, if I hit the left bracket key, that starts a time selection across all of your tracks. You play through where you want to edit and now when i hit the right bracket key it used to just stop playback and there's my time selection and i can play it if i want and then delete it and whatever but now when i hit my right bracket key it's it puts that in time selection marker in it moves the focus to the beginning of the time selection back about a second and then it plays skipping that time selection all with one keystroke and and to me like that's only three steps but I am really encouraged to tell people, check out Reaper. It's very customizable. If you tried it and you're like, you know, this doesn't work for my workflow, uh, maybe reconsider it and realize you don't have to keep the same mapped keys. And I think that's something that a friend of mine that I'm getting to know better, Jacob mentioned, and he's like, you know, I don't use the default key map. I make my own key map to work with my workflow. And if that's possible, realize that that could help you save a lot of time. You can find me at Payon, P-A-Y-O-W-N on uh, just about everywhere, LinkedIn. I'm still on Twitter occasionally. And you can also go to michael.yourownpay.com to find me on Mastodon. Fantastic. Uh, I want to give my contact info in just a second, but I got a text from a, uh, a friend of the show, uh, Luis Ramos, who, uh, and I want to say thank you to everybody in the chat, Logic Pro X Gaming for chatting with us. Um, he, he mentioned, he talked a little bit about the SpaceX that the rocket does have a button they could press to, um, you know, destroy the rocket and burn up the fuel so it's not toxic or things like that. But, um, Luis said that rapid disassembly is actually uh, made popular by a video game, and that was the Kerbal Space Program video game, where you uh-huh. build rockets and you know they can take off, fly around planets, and and uh, either land successfully or land terribly. So, rapid disassembly was made popular by that, apparently. So that's pretty interesting. I'm sure yeah. it was used in other places, but popular culture kind of knows it from that. So that's kind of interesting. And somebody at SpaceX has a sense of humor, I guess. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So my my pick for this week is a uh, recommendation from Marty, and that is the Sennheiser Profile microphone. Um, I'm talking on it right now. Love it. It's uh, a bit different from my ATR2100. I don't have to be right up on this microphone like I have it on the other. Um, I can adjust the gain and the mix and the uh the volume of the monitor i love all of those things the mute button you never know if i mute so uh it's just a great microphone good design good price at 130 dollars um usb-c uh it just works so well and you can use it on an ipad as well so that has me really excited about that so 
Thank cool. you, Marty, for that recommendation. I will. This will always go in my travel bag, and well, it it sits on my desk permanently. So, um, cool. Glad you enjoy it. Yeah, it's been one of the better tech purchases I've made in a while. So, thank you for that. Yep. Yep. Um, and all of our picks are in the show notes. So if you're looking at the podcast later, check those out and you can see, you can see those there. As for where people can find me online, I'm Mike Doeys on Twitter, Mike Doeys at techopolis.social on Mastodon. You can email me at Mike Doeys at iCloud.com and I'm all over the web. Just do a search for me. Um, there's another Michael Doeys in Texas, but I have far many more results. But um, <laughs> you know, just Googling your name is very interesting if you've ever done that. So I want to thank everybody for being here. Demasi, glad to have you on the show. We want to have you back a lot more. Marty, thanks for being back. And Michael, thanks for being back again. And it's been fantastic being with all of you guys today. And, uh, you know, we'll do this again in two weeks. So thanks, everyone. Peace. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to the IA cast. We hope you enjoyed the show and found the conversation to be insightful and informative. If you have any feedback or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at feedback at IACast.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at IACast Network to stay informed about new episodes and other updates. Don't forget to check out more great podcasts on the IACast Network. IACast.net. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.